قَدْ نَرَى Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we have certainly seen تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ The تَقَلُّب of your face. تَقَلُّب is from the root letters قَاف لَمْبَ And تَقَلُّب is to continuously turn something about. To turn it about again and again, again and again. So the تَقَلُّب of the وَجْه وَجْه is the face. تَقَلُّب of the وَجْه of the face to the sky means that a person looks up and then down. Up and then down. Repeatedly. Every so often. He's looking up into the sky and then looking down. The Prophet ﷺ, during the 16 to 17 months that he faced Jerusalem in prayer, during that time, he would keep looking up to the sky. Why? Waiting for the command of Allah. That Jibreel would bring the command of Allah that I should face the Kaaba. Because the Prophet ﷺ loved the Kaaba. He was no longer in Mecca. He was evicted from Mecca. So he missed Mecca and he missed the Kaaba and now he was not even facing the Kaaba in prayer. So during those first 16-17 months, the Prophet ﷺ waited patiently for the command of Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that over here. That we saw, we noticed it, that you were constantly looking up to the sky. But there was a time for this command. And that came when? After about 16 or 17 months. What does that show us? That you know sometimes you want something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you want something to change, you're making dua, right? And then you just look up at the sky and you're just talking to Allah and you're like, when will this happen? And you're just patiently waiting. Remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala notices that. But there is a time for your prayers to be answered. There is a time for you to be given what you want. So, قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ We saw you turning your face up to the sky again and again. But look at the obedience of the Prophet ﷺ. He did not change the qibla himself. Isn't it? Even though he wanted to, but he didn't. He waited for the command of Allah to come. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَنُوَلِّيَنَّكَ So surely we will definitely turn you. Okay, from the root letters, وَاُلَامِيَا We will definitely turn you قِبْلَةً to a qibla, to a prayer direction that تَرْضَاهَا that you will be pleased with. Meaning we will command you to face the qibla that you like. And what is that qibla? It is Makkah. It is the Kaaba. And the command came, فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ The command came finally. That turn your face in the direction of the sacred mosque. Meaning when you pray salah, you should be facing which mosque? Masjid al-Haram. Now, look at the word shatr. Shatr, sheen thara. Shatr means in the direction of. Shatr is very broad. Okay, it's very broad. Recently I was talking to somebody and they were saying that, you know, you were praying salah, but you were supposed to be a little on your right. I'm like, that's okay. And they're like, no, but you were supposed to be a little on your right. I'm like, but it's basically the same direction. It doesn't have to be the specific 
angle. Because you know what happens, right? When there's a difference of even one angle maybe, then what happens? Imagine that you have to draw a line at 45 degrees angle. And you draw it at 46. Is there going to be a difference? Come on. Will there be a difference? The more the gap increases between the line and the angle, the end point will be further away from the actual destination. Right? So the point is that shatr is very vast. So for example, if you're supposed to be facing 33 degrees from north, For example, yes, you're facing 33 degrees. But then if it's a little to the right or a little to the left, it's no big deal. Because it's shatr. Shatr is very broad. It doesn't mean a specific angle. It means in the direction of. So, you see how easy our religion is? Imagine if we weren't allowed to be up or down even by single angle, one angle. How difficult our life would be. So, فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ Turn your face in the direction of Al-Masjid Al-Haram. And what is Al-Masjid Al-Haram by the way? Which masjid is this? This is the Kaaba in the city of Makkah. Why is it called Masjid Al-Haram? When I was little, I'd be like, Haram? Why Haram? Haram is like Haram, right? Something bad. So Masjid Al-Haram? Haram means what? That which is? forbidden. And Masjid al-Haram is called Masjid al-Haram because there are many things which are permissible outside but they're not allowed in Masjid al-Haram. They're forbidden in Masjid al-Haram. Can you give me an example? What is forbidden in Masjid al-Haram? Okay. One of the things that's forbidden in Masjid al-Haram is cutting plants and trees. You're not allowed to do that. The Prophet ﷺ forbade people from cutting plants and trees in Masjid al-Haram. And the people asked for an exception. That can you please allow us to cut this particular idhir grass? Because they needed it. They needed to use it. So are you allowed to cut plants and trees outside Masjid al-Haram? Of course you are. But in Masjid al-Haram, not allowed. Okay. Even when it comes to animals, you cannot hunt them. Not that you'll find many there. But you're not allowed to hunt animals in Masjid al-Haram. I mean, you can do that outside, but not in that area. So there is sanctity of life. There is respect for all forms of life, whether it is of plants or animals or humans, in Masjid al-Haram. So, فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ This is the command that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave. And so now the Muslims were to face the Kaaba in prayer. وَحَيْثُ مَا كُنْتُمْ And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that and wheresoever you are, not just in Medina, not just in Mecca, but in any part of the world that you are in, and it is time to pray, what should you do? فَوَلُّوا So you should turn, same root, وَوْ لَمْ يَا وُجُوهَكُمْ Your faces, وُجُوه is the plural of وَجْ شَطْرَةً In its direction. So this makes it clear that no matter where in the world we are, when it comes to prayer, we have to face the Kaaba. And look at the word, حَيْثُ مَا كُنْتُمْ Wheresoever you are. This means on land, on water, in air, at home, or while traveling. When it comes to salah, you face 
the Kaaba. Unless you are not able to. Clear? When you're praying, you have to face the Kaaba. Unless you are not able to. Can you give me an example of when you are not able to? Wow, so many hands. Okay, even when you're in the airplane actually, there are ways. Like for example, there are certain airlines which actually have a prayer space in the back. Saudi Airlines, they have a prayer space in the back. Can you imagine? I mean, that's one of the coolest things. You can actually stand and pray. That's amazing. Somebody I know traveled recently from Saudi to Canada and they said, we prayed all our prayers, you know, standing properly facing the Qibla so easily. But of course, if you don't have that opportunity and you are bound to your seat, all right, that tiny seat, you're squished in it, you can't even stand, then what do you do? You pray in whatever direction that you're in. Can you give me another example? Yes? Okay, when you're on a road trip, then you should stop the car and pray. Alright? You should stop the car and pray, unless again, you are not able to. Like for example, there is an emergency. May Allah protect you, but there could be a serious emergency. Like for example, there could be a rescue operation happening. There is wildfires, or there is a storm or something, and people are trying to escape from there. And in that time, if you stop and pray, it could cause a problem. But should you leave your prayer? No, don't leave the prayer either. You're not allowed to leave your prayers even in that situation. But otherwise, on a road trip, you have to stop the car and pray. Just as you stop the car to go to the bathroom, you stop the car to go get your coffee, you stop the car to fill up the gas, right? So you need to stop the car to pray also. Any other situation? Go ahead. Okay, like for example, a person is sick, they are not able to move, they are on a bed, and that bed is not movable because they are attached to so much equipment, so you can't even turn them in the direction of the Qibla, so they will pray however they are. So remember that وَحَيْثُ مَا كُنْتُمْ فَوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ شَطْرَةِ means that you must face the Qibla for prayers. Unless you are not able to because of circumstances that are beyond your control. وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ And then back to the criticism that the Muslims were listening to. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ And indeed those people who have been given the book, لَيَعْلَمُونَ Surely they know that أَنَّهُ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ That indeed this is the truth from their Lord. They're criticizing you, but they actually know that this is the truth from Allah. This is a command from Allah. That the last nation, the last prophet is to face the Kaaba in Mecca. But they're still criticizing you. وَمَا اللَّهُ بِغَافِلٍ عَمَّا يَعْمَلُونَ Don't be afraid of them. Because Allah is not unaware of what they're doing. Who is ghafil? Ghafil is one who is in ghafla. غَيْن فَا لَام غَيْن فَا لَام and what is ghafla? There's two reasons for ghafla. Ghafla is negligence. When you neglect something. Why would you neglect something? Why wouldn't you pay attention to it? Why? Because you forgot. Either you forgot, your brain has a limited capacity. So you forgot and you didn't really pay attention to it. Like for example, you turned the oven on. And then what happened? You completely forgot to check 
your cookies. You forgot. Or another reason is distraction. You got distracted. You started doing other things. Allah says that He is not ghafil of what the people do. He is not ghafil of the crimes that people commit. He doesn't forget them, nor is He distracted from them. He knows exactly what they're doing. He knows the lies they're uttering. He knows the false criticism they're throwing towards you. So don't be afraid of them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows exactly what they're doing and He will take care of it. in And surely if. Atayta, you came. Alladheena utul kitab To those people who were given the book. Bikulli ayah with every sign. See the word ata means to come. But when it comes with bi, like bikulli, it means to bring. So if you were to bring to the people of the book every single ayah, evidence or proof to convince them that the right qibla is the Kaaba, it is the Kaaba that we should face in prayer, you bring them proof after proof, evidence after evidence, what's going to happen? مَا qiblatak. They are not going to follow your prayer direction. What does this mean? There are some people whom you cannot convince. Alright? There are some people whom you cannot win over. And you know what? It's not your job to convince them. So do not get caught up in the struggle to convince them because it's going to be a wasted effort. Because you see, if someone knows the truth, they recognize it, yet they are opposed to it, then how are you supposed to convince this person? So here, the Prophet ﷺ is being consoled because he really wanted people to believe. And if you think about it, if someone's constantly criticizing you, you don't like to hear that criticism. So what should you do? Get caught up in that criticism? Take that to heart? And then try to please people and, and satisfy them and respond to them? If you get caught up in that, you'll never be able to do your work. Like for example... If you post something on social media and somebody puts a very nasty comment and you're like, you know what? I'm going to teach this person a lesson. So you respond to them. And what happens? They say something that's even more nasty. Right? And then what happens? You try to respond and then they say something even more nasty. And that just kills your heart. You're so sad because of that. So what should you do? Don't even read the comments. Don't honor the trolls by giving attention to them. Don't honor the trolls by reading what they have written. Ignore it. Because if that is your mission in life, to respond to every rude comment on the internet, well, good luck. Alright? So, وَلَئِنْ أَتَيْتَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ بِكُلِّ آيَةٍ مَا تَبِعُوا قِبْلَتَكَ They're never going to follow you. They're never going to follow you. Because you see, for someone who wants goodness, then for them, one proof is enough. Like for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the angels, prostrate. Was that enough for the angels? Yes. What did the angels do? Immediately they prostrated. What about Iblis? What happened to him? Was that command enough for him? No, it wasn't. And then what happened? He blamed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then he challenged Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then he didn't just stop there. He continued in his evil. So that's the thing. There are some people 
whom you cannot convince. So don't waste your time with them. مَا تَبِعُوا قِبْلَتَكْ If you were to give them a thousand proofs, they're never going to follow your qibla. وَمَا أَنْتَ بِتَابِعٍ قِبْلَتَهُمْ So what should you do then? You should become like them? If somebody is not listening to you, what's the other option? You should start listening to them? No. You don't start listening to them. You don't start becoming like them. Because you have to do what is right. You have to do what Allah has commanded you. So the Prophet ﷺ is told over here, they're never going to follow your qibla. And you know what? You are not allowed to follow their qibla. You are not allowed to face their qibla. Just because they're not listening to you, it doesn't mean that you become like them. You have to stay true to your principles. وَمَا بَعْضُهُمْ بِتَابِعِينَ قِبْلَةَ بَعْضٍ And the fact is that they don't even follow the qibla of each other. Who are the people of the book? The Jews and the Christians. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they don't even face the same qibla. Okay? Like for example, the Temple Mount where Masjid al-Aqsa is located. It's a holy site, right? And the Temple Mount is such that one part of it, of course the Muslims, they have the masjid, all right? the western side of it, it's where the Jews come to worship, and another side, the Christians, they honor that place. So the point is that the Jews and the Christians also don't face the same qibla. They don't. So who are you going to become like? The Jews or the Christians? Nobody. You are going to do what Allah has commanded you to do. This is a very important thing we should understand and follow in our lives. People are never going to be happy with what you are doing. And you could give them a thousand proofs to justify your religion, justify your choices. But at the end of the day, those who don't want to be convinced will never be convinced. So what do you do then? You start becoming like them? No. Because who do you become like? This group or that group? Which group? Nobody. Because whatever you become, whatever you do, somebody is going to find fault with it. Remember this, that in life, no matter what you do, there will always be someone who will have a problem with it. So your job is not to please people in life. Your job is to do the right thing. And what is the right thing? What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered you to do. So, وَمَا بَعْضُهُمْ بِتَابِعٍ قِبْلَةَ بَعْضَ And something so important Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions. That if you were to follow أَهْوَاءَهُمْ Their desires, plural of the word hawa. If you were to follow their desires, مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَكَ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ After knowledge has come to you, then إِنَّكَ إِذَنْ لَمِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Then you would indeed be amongst the wrongdoers. Who is being addressed over here? The Prophet ﷺ. He's being warned that if you start following the desires of people after knowledge has come to you, then you will be of the wrongdoers. What does this teach us? That one way is of huda, 
of guidance. And that is based on ilm, knowledge. Which knowledge that has come from? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Qur'an, the sunnah. This is one way. And then there is a way that contradicts that. And that is the way of hawa, of desire, people's desires. And there are two completely different ways. Can you give me examples of how huda contradicts hawa? Where they don't go together? Where they're not the same? They're completely different? They're opposed to each other? On the one hand is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you to do. And on the other is what people like, what they find enjoyable. Can you give me some examples? Something? You never face this? That this is a command of Allah, I'm supposed to do that. But I don't want to, or people don't like me to do this. If I do it, I'm going to look weird in front of them. When you want to sleep, that's your hawa. But on the other hand is also huda, al-ilm, that it's time to pray now. You have come to realize that it's time to pray now. So both forces are contradicting each other. You're really tired, you just want to sleep because you had a long day full of fun and you're exhausted from having too much fun, right? But then you also have to pray. So on the one hand is huda and on the other hand is hawa. Many times it happens that you want to do something to earn some reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but at the same time you're afraid that people are not going to like it, they're going to criticize it. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? That if you follow the desires of people after knowledge has come to you, then you would be a wrongdoer. You would be making a serious mistake. This is not a mistake, it's an offense. It's an offense, it's zulm. You see, when a person learns about a command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that this is what Allah wants me to do. This is what Allah has ordered me to do. It's not always going to be easy to follow it. People are going to want you to do something else, something different. But then, how true are you going to be to yourself and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Are you going to do what Allah wants you to do? Or are you going to do what people want you to do? And you know, sometimes you don't need to worry about what people want you to do. Check yourself. What is your hawa saying? What is your desire telling you to do? You know like, you get all dressed up to go somewhere. But then, you wear the hijab technically. And then, at that time you're like, okay, forget it. Because my hair is going to get ruined. My makeup's going to get ruined. So, you leave it there. Isn't that following hawa after ilm? You know you're supposed to wear it. But then you leave it just because you don't want to wear it. This is hawa. And this is something very dangerous. إِنَّكَ إِذَا لَمِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ This would be a very serious offense. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَلَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابِ Those people to whom we have given the book, يَعْرِفُونَهُ They recognize him. Who? The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. كَمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ as well as they recognize their own sons. Abna is the plural of Ibn. And you see this word Ya'rifuna from Ayn Rafa. Ma'rifa is different from Ilm. Ilm is that you know about something because somebody taught you. Okay? You know about something because somebody taught you. You haven't observed it yourself or you haven't experienced it yourself. You haven't realized it yourself. You know it because that's the rule that you were taught. 
You read it in your textbook, you memorized it, that's what you wrote in your exam, and then at the end, that's just one fact that you know. That is ilm. Okay? Ma'rifa is when you know something because you recognize it. How do you recognize it? By its signs, by its characteristics. Okay? Like for example, somebody says to you, air has weight. And you're like, okay, air has weight. And then you got a test paper on which it says, true or false, air has weight. And what do you do? True. Because you're like, okay, that's what I was taught. That's what I read in the book. Okay? But then you're shown an experiment that proves that air has weight. So now you don't just know it, you understand it. You're able to apply that. This is ma'rifat, that you know, understand something at a deeper level. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the people of the book recognize the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam as they recognize their own sons. Their own sons. What does it mean by this? Has it ever happened that there's like a crowd of kids, like 20, 30 rowdy kids, everybody's messing around, and your dad yells out your name, he found you in that group, and you're like, ah, oh, how did you know I was here? Because he recognizes your voice, he even recognizes the way in which you walk. Wallahi, I can tell, you know, when my kids are walking upstairs, I know who is walking, because they're footsteps, the manner in which they walk is different. Parents recognize their children like nobody else does. And this is why sometimes it's kind of freaky. You're like, how does my mom know me that well? Like why? You know? Why? And then you think that, you know, you're tricking her, you're keeping her in the dark, but she's so good at keeping you in the dark that you think you're smarter, but she's way smarter than you. Anyway, that's a different discussion. You see what's mentioned over here? يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ Abna means sons, not children. Okay, sons. Because the Arabs, they loved their sons more than their daughters. The Arabs loved their sons more than their daughters. And unfortunately, this is very common till today in many cultures. Where people will give a lot of attention to their sons and they will not give equal attention to their daughters. Right? This is injustice. Anyway, again, a different discussion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the people of the book recognize the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam as well and as easily as a person would recognize his son, his own child. وَإِنَّ فَرِيقًا مِّنْهُمْ Then why don't they believe in him? Because of their pride. And indeed, a group of them, لَيَكْتُمُونَ الْحَقِّ Surely they hide the truth, وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ While they know. They have the evidences, but they pretend like those evidences don't exist, and they conceal them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ The truth is from your Lord, فَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ So do not at all be amongst those who doubt. Mumtarin is a plural of mumtari. And that means... One who is in imtira. Imtira, mim raya, mirya is doubt. When you hesitate about something. So, do not be amongst those who doubt. Doubt is the opposite of faith. 
Faith is that you believe in something without any doubt. You are 100% convinced of it. You treat it as if it were a fact. In fact, it is a fact for you. It's nothing but a fact for you. It's your reality. That is your faith. So, لا تكونن من المنترين Don't be of those who doubt. Why is this being said? Because you see, the Muslims were getting so much criticism from the people around them, day in and day out, that when you're constantly criticized, you start doubting yourself. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that no, you're not going to listen to these people. Don't let them shake you. The truth is from your Lord. So believe in it with conviction, 100%, and don't entertain any doubts at all. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلِكُلِّنْ وِجْهَةٌ هُوَ مُوَلِّيهَا وَلِكُلِّنْ Each person, each group of people, each individual has a wijha. Wijha is a direction. From the root letters, wow, jim, ha. And wijha is something that you turn your face towards. Alright? So basically it's a goal. Something that you are striving towards, something that you are working towards. Now, different people have different goals, but each person has something or the other that is of utmost concern to them. So when they wake up in the morning, that is what's on their mind. Even when they're sitting in class sometimes, that is on their mind. Or they're working, they're eating, even in the shower, whatever they're doing, they are focused towards their goal. They're thinking about it. Their efforts, their thoughts are all directed towards their wijha. Would you agree with this? Is there something or the other that's on your mind all the time? And what happens? You get over one thing, and then you have another thing as your wijha. Once upon a time it was your exams, now that the exams are over, now what's your wijha? What's your wijha? Some kind of fun, right? Exactly. What's the next fun thing that I can do? And then as you get over that, there's something else. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? فَاسْتَبِقُوا khayrat. So rush and compete in good work. No matter what you are doing in your life, no matter what is extremely important in your life, keeping you busy, keeping you mentally occupied, your goal throughout your life should be good deeds. فَاسْتَبِقُوا khayrat. And rush and compete in doing good work. أَيْنَمَا تَكُونُوا Because no matter where you will be, يَأْتِ بِكُمُ اللَّهُ جَمِيعًا Allah will bring you all together. Ultimately, you have to return to Allah. So don't get caught up with the wijhas of this world. That one day you're obsessed with the iPhone. And then the other day you're obsessed with some other gadget. And then another day you're obsessed with one kind of steak. And then another day you're obsessed with one kind of clothing item. And then another day you're obsessed with a TV show. And then, then you're obsessed with something else. You know, your life could finish like this. One obsession after the other, you know, could finish you. So check yourself. What are you really running towards? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us a goal. فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ It should be good work. Something that will help you in the hereafter. Because remember, at the end, you have to die. You're not living in this world forever. إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ Indeed, Allah is over all things capable. 
So trust in Him and rely upon Him and your goal should be to please Him. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ فَلَنُوَلِّيَنَّكَ قِبْلَةً تَرْضَاهَا فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطَرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ وَحَيْثُ مَا كُنْتُمْ فَوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ شَطَرَهُ وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ لَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّهُ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ وَمَا اللَّهُ بِغَافِلٍ عَمَّا يَعْمَلُونَ وَلَئِنْ أَتَيْتَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ بِكُلِّ آيَةٍ مَا تَبِعُوا قِبْلَتَكَ وَمَا أَنْتَ بِتَابِعٍ قِبْلَتَهُمْ وَمَا بَعْضُهُمْ بِتَابِعٍ قِبْلَةَ بَعْضٍ وَلَئِنِ اتَّبَعْتَ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَكَ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِنَّكَ إِذَا لَّمِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ يَعْرِفُونَهُ كَمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ وَإِنَّ فَرِيقًا مِّنْهُمْ لَيَكْتُمُونَ الْحَقَّ وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ فَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ وَلِكُلِّ وِجَهَةٌ هُوَ مُوَلِّيهَا فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ أَيْنَمَا تَكُونُوا يَأْتِ بِكُمُ اللَّهُ جَمِيعًا إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ